welcome to the very first episode of I Am No Man. My name is Doris. And my name is Haley. Yeah, this is our podcast where we're talking about fantasy book series and trying to talk about series that have kind of a feminist lens or strong characters that are not men, which is why mm-hmm. our podcast is called I Am No Man. <laughs> That's our our working title. Hopefully we'll, through however many episodes we do, be able to just kind of take a look at how women are represented in fantasy literature, a love that we both share. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I think it'll be really interesting. And for this first episode, we're talking about the Queen of the Tearling trilogy by Erica Johansson. And this was a book that I read in high school for the first time, actually. And I think you did too. I did too. I think you recommended it to me. Doris and I were both very into Arthurian (laughs) legend and definitely read a lot of that stuff together and and then branched out to more general fantasy. But this is definitely one you recommended to us. I remember when we read the first one that I think we started reading them when they were actively coming out. Coming out. Yeah. And we were completely, sorry, if you can hear, my cat is scratching uh, below me. <laughs> Cute. Um, I think we were just com- like completely in love with the first book, thought that it was so incredible and liked the second one too. Uh, the third one gets interesting. <laughs> we'll talk about it. It's <laughs> getting dicey. Yeah. But for someone who is looking for a fantasy series with some really strong uh, female I guess it's mainly one strong female character, but there are some side characters that are good as well. Uh, oh no, no, there's a couple. Uh, yeah, th- there's a few, but yeah, and I'd say it's a very like easy read. Um, definitely very easy to get into. It definitely, at least in the first book, I don't know if I can comment this as well in, in the the second and third book, but the first one's very well paced. I think it moves along really quickly. But let's get into it. We're gonna basically go through the books and just talk about what happens, our impression of what happens, um, Mm -hmm. kind of our opinions about things. And the first book is called The Queen of the Tearling. And this is, I think for both of us, it's our favorite in the series. Yeah, definitely. I would say that for sure. Uh, So I think we're just going to go through all three of these kind of chronologically and give a broad overview of the plot when we do this. So obviously, big spoilers ahead. (laughs) We're going to just go through the plot of all three books. Um, if it might be nice if you've read these before, uh, but I think that going through the plot, it shouldn't be too bad if you haven't read them. Um, so if something seems to not make sense, sometimes the plot doesn't totally make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like, there's a reason. We'll be sticking to main characters. We won't drop too many character names unless they're Uh, really important to sort of the themes that we're discussing but otherwise yeah let's get into it so we start we meet Kelsey she's a 19 year old girl Uh, she's living in the woods in a cabin she is the sort of what we learn right away is that she is the heir to the to a throne Um, she is supposed to be the queen of the tearling but she has been in hiding or she was sent away to hiding after her mother was murdered Um, so very much in like Game of Thrones, sorry, my, my cat screaming at me, uh, in sort of Game of Thrones style, I suppose, everybody is trying to murder whoever the current ruler is and take the throne. So mm-hmm. she's been hiding with her two caretakers, 
who have brought her up to have certain, uh, I suppose, moral and political ideas, which that sort of ends up being a theme for her later. She gets taught, I think, a very sort of develops a very black and white sense of morality. She's sort of, I think, I think makes a lot of decisions in this is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do in this moment, but doesn't mm-hmm. think about sort of indirect consequences, maybe. Right. The long-term repercussions of certain mm-hmm. things. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think definitely what she is taught when she's in the cabin growing up is really how she looks at life and something that she thinks about a lot. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that you learn very early on is that one of the one of the women who brought her up really taught her about history basically and kind of not repeating the mistakes of the past. So that's kind of a big theme that right. comes up a lot. So off the bat, we're presented with this female character who has a pretty rigid sense of morality, who has been very highly educated. So we think um, and can sort of handle herself. We also find out that to identify her as the heir, she has this jewel, this gigantic sapphire, I think. And we don't know too much about that yet. So it's her 19th birthday. These guards from the Tierling show up to take her to the keep uh, where she is to be the queen. And that is sort of the beginning of the whole journey. So sort of first impressions that we get is she wants to seem tough. She wants to seem like she knows what she's doing. We also learn that she is ugly, apparently. That is sort of a huge uh, theme. That's a huge theme throughout (laughs) the entire book is how this girl looks. And Um, um, when she first gets picked up by the guards, when they come to the cottage, they're very kind of unimpressed with how she looks, basically. And she's kind of thinking to herself, I know, like, I know I don't look probably how they expected because her mom was supposed to be this really beautiful person. And also as the guards are picking her up and taking her along, they really, they don't seem to think that she is very strong or tough or anything like that. So that's something that she kind of has to work on to gain their respect. I would say that that is also a huge thing for her in particular that her mother how that's sort of one of the first things that they say when they show up is that oh she couldn't look less she couldn't be be or look less like her mother mm-hmm. who's supposed to be this incredibly beautiful woman and that ends up being just a constant internal struggle for her that her mother was so beautiful and she apparently is so plain as they put it a lot in the right book. um and how people will look at her and then we'll we can get into this a little bit more later but how I suppose beauty in a way but vanity more really becomes this like villainous thing for her Mm -hmm. later and it's sort of all this is where she starts she really doesn't know anything about her mother like almost everything is kept secret from her Uh, she's been kept in the dark about most of what's happening in her soon-to-be kingdom most of anything about her mother and so this is sort of the first instance of her finding things out and I'm curious like what you think about the choice to make her (laughs) plain so to speak I don't know like I get that it's I mean that's one of the huge things that she struggles with uh, how to not care about her appearance um, Mm -hmm. what people think of her and how sort of beauty affected other people in her life but part of me almost wishes that 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 just didn't need to be something I guess I feel a lot of times in 
fantasy literature, the one of the first things that is mentioned about a female character is their appearance, like whether or not they're beautiful. Right. Often some <laughs> mention of their their fullness or their bust or something, you uh-huh. know, something like that, their figure. Uh, so although I sort of appreciate, no, I do, I appreciate the how she highlights what an issue looks can be for women in a position where it should not <laughs> matter where it really shouldn't affect anything at all um but part of me wishes that these characters could just be described without describing their features as attractive or not attractive so I think that's also the yeah. author making a choice about what is attractive or not attractive <laughs> definitely and and I think that um I do think the author was trying to do this thing where it's kind of like a lot of times when we have these protagonists that are women, they're always, they always look a certain way type thing. And Mm -hmm. so I think that she was trying to be like, Kelsey looks not, she doesn't, she doesn't look remarkable. She doesn't really stand out in a crowd. And so this kind of sets her apart. But I do think in trying to not make it a thing, the author kind of inadvertently makes it a thing because it's also kind of her weight and stuff that is talked about in a way that's like, she's not she's not classically beautiful because I guess Mm -hmm. she's like, she really likes to eat food or something like that. So it's kind of like, um, it's, I, yeah, I don't think it's great the way that her weight is talked about. That's right. They talk about her like healthy appetite and how she needs to eat less to like get more in shape or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. So I think at the, at the beginning, it's very apparent that how she looks is kind of a big thing for her and I do think I appreciate on the one hand that I think it is showcasing a very real kind of double bind that women find themselves to be in a lot of the time because it's like on the one hand you're supposed to look good and then on the other hand you're not supposed to put that much time into your appearance so it's kind of like uh this impossible thing where I think Kelsey is like well I'm not going to be like my mom I'm not really going to be this beautiful woman so I don't care about my appearance but then she really does because she cares that these people are kind of looking down on her because of how she looks so I think that's a very real kind of struggle that that makes a lot of sense you're right I mean in terms of like the I mean what we talk about right like the male gaze and men want women to be beautiful but vanity is an unattractive quality but it's Mm -hmm. I think very difficult to be beautiful in the way that society means without it's like an effortless kind of beauty yeah without vanity having some role in it because you have to care about how you look if you want to look that exact like perfect way yeah but no yeah that makes sense okay I see what you mean I she just approaches her looks very, very directly. Like it is a, yeah. you know, it's an issue. <laughs> right off <laughs> the bat. It's very direct. <laughs> it's not like yeah. a subtle, it's not a subtle struggle throughout the book. It's incredibly uh, pronounced. But so moving forward, the guards pick her up. They start traveling. She immediately wants to impress them. She wants to seem tough. That's also a running theme that she's like, she's very tough. She doesn't complain. She gets angry a lot, but she controls her anger, uses it to sort of fuel her forward. Um, she doesn't have a great relationship with the guards off the bat. A lot, most of them are kind of just indifferent to her. Uh, yeah, they don't take her seriously, and right, yeah, they realize they're being tracked, and they split up. Kelsey goes with one of the guards named Mace, who becomes a very large character throughout the rest of the series the two of them get attacked 
Mace protects them. I think maybe somehow though, they both, I forget this transition a little bit. They sort of wake up in a camp of these men. That is where Kelsey meets this other character, the Fetch. (laughs) My God, the Fetch. (laughs) The Fetch. He's incredibly handsome. So I guess I will say that I think to a degree, a lot of the men are very equally (laughs) as objectified for their looks in the Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Uh, it's, it's interesting though, because they're given the men characters are not given very specific descriptors. So it's always like this woman had this color eye, this person. Yeah. She has blonde hair or whatever. Exactly. And then very, yeah, yeah, it's very face shape, like the color of her face, her face, shape, her nose, her lips, her hair, her body. But then, and for for the the men, men, it's just kind of like they're hot and that's all you know. (laughs) He's so handsome. Right. And sometimes they'll be like his eyes. They're intense, but nothing about them, just that they're maybe intense. Occasionally, I think some of their like bodies are described, but not to the degree. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, most of them are guards, so they're just sort of described as muscular. And then, but I think in particular, this is someone who Kelsey immediately just feels like crazy sexually attracted to. Yeah. And I think um, it's also the first time that she's ever met a man or like met a person right. who she's sexually attracted to. So she's like, I think on the one hand, she was kind of like done dirty by her like sheltered upbringing because mm-hmm. the fetch, in my opinion, is not really like the nicest person. I mean, or he's not, like he's not the best. <laughs> yeah, he's just like really mean to her. And I think that she, but because this is the first guy she's ever met who's kind of around her age, not really, but we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> it's like she's like, oh my God, he's so cool. He's kind of a Robin Hood type figure. It might be like important to say, like he, he steals mm. from people and he doesn't give it back, but he steals. So that's kind yeah. of, it's doesn't, kind of like badass, I guess. Yeah. doesn't give to the poor, but gives to his own people. And I think he, we basically just learned that he is, has a huge bounty on his head, is a mm-hmm. very accomplished thief. All we really know is that he wants the tierling to yeah, what, what does he want? I mean, I think that basically <laughs> he he wants a ruler that is going to rule well. Remember there, so they they wake up in his camp. He talks to Kelsey and mm-hmm. unbinds her, and she's just overcome with attraction to this man and, and is right. embarrassed by it. But then they go out, they sit, and they have a talk of political sort of goals that she has Mm -hmm. uh and he decides i think he sort of says that he's basing that on whether or not he will kill her (laughs) yeah and he decides that she at least should be given a a chance so i think he i mean we find out his real motivation later Mm -hmm. uh but initially i think at this point we just know that he wants an uncorrupt uh ruler to to turn the tierling around for the better yeah definitely i'm thinking yeah. about the whole plot right now and i'm like whew, feeling overwhelmed yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot it's okay we'll get through it <laughs> um uh, but no just like with the fetch like it's so yeah. yeah it's so different yeah when you meet him at the beginning and um he also takes okay so quick aside when kelsey is when she leaves her foster parents place Mm -hmm. uh she she realizes that uh carlin the woman who raised her has left her a second jewel that's identical to the sapphire she wears and she's kind of like hidden 
hidden it and put it in a little pouch. Mm -hmm. And then she realizes that the fetch has taken it. And he's like, I'll give it back to you when I've decided that you're the right kind of ruler. And it's it's like, who are you to decide? Like who made you the arbiter of like whether or not she's She's, a good ruler. She's very much at the mercy of just this random array of men at the beginning of the book, you know, between the guards, between the fetch. Uh, I think she does a pretty good job of sort of keeping it together, keeping it together. I'll give her that. She's pretty cool. Common. I mean, when they get attacked i think a a hawk is coming at her and like rips her neck open and she's assassin pretty, hawk she's pretty chill about it all things considered yeah there, there are these like assassin hawks basically and she gets mm-hmm. dive bombed by one and yeah. then but lives to tell she the deals tale. with it no she does keep it together because um another thing we learn and yeah i guess we're kind of almost getting into this is that mm-hmm. it's very violent this world and there's a lot of people who don't want to see her on the throne and so mm-hmm. as, as she's riding with the guards there there's a lot of assassination attempts that are happening like the amount of assassinate assassination yeah, attempts, assassination, attempts, <laughs> <fascination>. <laughs> the amount of assassination attempts that uh, she gets through is honestly unbelievable. So yeah, that's what I have to say. Girl's got nine lives. Yeah, no, she really does. So this is assassination attempt number one. Killer Hawk, she survives. Yeah. Uh, I guess, it's, I mean, it's not really an assassination attempt, but she does talk her way out of being murdered by this group of bandits. Yes. Um, yeah. Then... They send her and the mace. So the mace hasn't been killed. He's just been tied up this whole time. Mm-hmm. They send her and the mace off to the tierling. They finally reach the keep lawn. And the keep is just this absolutely massive construction array of housing and buildings and different things that her, it's not really a castle, but I guess that's what you would call sort of her castle. Um, it's more like a- Yeah, I've, I've always been confused about that. I wish I could see it drawn and- out or like a TV <laughs> or film. She's yeah. just sort of like, that's not what I imagined at all. But it's like, well, what they is don't it, really, <laughs> yeah, they don't really describe it. Just that there's lots of hallways and tunnels and rooms, and it seems like everyone mm-hmm. lives there. I guess it's supposed to be one of those old kind of medieval cities where is it like Camelot? <laughs> yeah, kind of like Camelot. You don't have good sanitation. Everything's kind of piled on top of each other. Hmm. That's, that's what fair. you that's what you have but it is yeah it's not super like mapped out yeah so she they finally get to the keep and she then immediately realizes sort of this is the beginning of her mother becoming a villain in her mind um she had previous knowledge that there was a war with this neighboring country called mort <laughs> we always struggle with this is it mortbane <laughs> You you said you listened to the audiobook and the person pronounced it Mortmain, which is mind-blowing to me. But if that's how the audio, I feel like she probably knows what the author wanted. So let's just say Mortmain. It's pronounced in the audiobook, it's pronounced Mortmain. If you read these books, it will be it will be spelled like Mortmesne. Right. Like um, Renesme from Twilight. Oh, literally. Exactly. Yeah. Like Renesme. Um and that there was some war happening, there was an mm-hmm. invasion, and her mother stopped it. But she didn't know how, she didn't know what the terms of the treaty were. She finds out, she literally arrives to the Kiblan to see basically giant cages of people being loaded and finds out that there is basically a slave trade lottery that was set up. So they ship people um, over to that, over to Mortmain. Like every, Hunger Games style. Yeah, very Hunger Games style. Every month. Yeah, once a month, there's a certain, I think it's like a 
hundreds of people or it's a lot of people and mm-hmm. their names just get drawn every month and they get sent off to Mort, Maine because it's a much wealthier nation. It has, I guess it has steel and the tierling only has oak. So like if it were to come to a war, uh, mm-hmm. the tierling would always lose. So basically it comes out that her her mom, Kelsey's mom, decided that this trade is something that they're going to have to live with in order to live in like relative doing air quotes, peace. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So she, this, now this is the first instance of us seeing that these jewels that she has maybe contain some magic. Some Uh, power. (laughs) Yeah. If anyone ever listens to this, they won't be able to see that, but I did jazz hands. Magic hands. Magic. Uh, Yeah. How do we, I don't quite remember. Do, Do they heat up or something? They start glowing Right. And they heat up on her chest. And basically, some people on the lawn, which we won't go into these characters because they're not uh, super integral to to what we're going to talk about. But some people basically see her as this older, grander, uh, queen-like figure that's sort of radiating. Whereas in reality, she looks entirely disheveled because she's been riding forever and has been attacked um, she has a big like hawk talon shaped star. <laughs> True. Um, and so she announces that she's the queen of the cheerling. She's here to claim her throne and pretty much immediately just decides to end the shipment. And she burnt, she sets fire to all the cages, has all the people out and enters the keep. So this is sort of the first of many decisions that she makes immediately. It's very mm-hmm. driven by anger i would say yeah she's very much like this will not stand how can you possibly live with this type thing and and it is like hal already said it's basically her realizing that her mother made some bad decisions but kind of as we learn later on in the story it's i mean yeah well we'll we'll talk about it but yeah she she just was like i mean she's someone who's very she's painted as very passionate like very caring about people so she's like this this like won't happen while i'm the ruler and i need to stop this right now and the mace who's like her right hand man kind of he, he i think he pretty much supports her in this he does. And, I, and i think that they admire that she has the gumption to kind of be like i'm ending this now yeah i think they didn't think very much of her or but i think basically they thought she would be killed <laughs> pretty shortly or that she was just a child right. and, wouldn't, and wouldn't do too much mm-hmm. um so she makes this big announcement i think that again sort of talking about she has this very rigid sense of morality and i think a lot of her when she thinks that something is wrong, she experiences rage, <laughs> sort of this, yeah, this anger, she's very, this rage yeah. pretty immediately. So I think that's where her sort of rigidity comes from, is that she experiences such strong, um, immediate reactions to these events. And I do like, again, this, I think it's interesting how this book, and I like this, how they present sort of a strong, you know, female character experiencing anger (laughs) and Mm -hmm. rage because I think that's an emotion that isn't portrayed in it's like I think portrayed to very varying levels in female characters or in terms of the situations in which they would get angry Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times I think uh, in a lot of books I've seen anger even though there's all these really huge world-changing events and things going on a lot of times anger is just reserved for like lovers quarrels <laughs> or yeah. sort of silly things um or women I mean I think just in everyday life women aren't really 
not, I don't want to say not permitted to be angry. Obviously everyone feels anger and expresses it, but I think when it's expressed in public, it's viewed very negatively. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's oftentimes viewed as kind of a rational emotion type right. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's makes people think, what is it? Sort of the, the hysterical woman, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, stereotype whenever any strong emotions are (laughs) any strong negative emotions are displayed so I like how uh, a big theme throughout all of these books is definitely Kelsey's sort of anger and she shoves it down that's what she does all the time is sort of yeah I think Mm -hmm. we get a very firsthand view of that feeling that I think women experience obviously no one's experiencing this situation but right. if you imagine it on a much smaller scale mm-hmm. in times when we're angry they talk about how she's angry she like bites the inside of her cheek she has to do all these things even like physical things to mm-hmm. repress this emotion to not display it as much as she wants to because she'll she won't be taken seriously um So I like that they give us that sort of firsthand perspective and allow the reader to feel like the frustration of that scenario, because I think that that's a very real uh, thing (laughs) that women experience on a very regular basis, obviously in a smaller scale, but. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. It makes me think about also how she's very strong in her convictions, even when Mm -hmm. she's angry about something. So it's kind of like, she'll really want to change something and kind of all these men around her are like, you really need to think this through. Maybe you shouldn't do this, et cetera. And I like that. I feel like I'm so easily swayed in my conviction sometimes <laughs> <Me too. laughs> by someone who's like very, who like, you know, speaks very confidently. I'm like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. they probably know more than know me. What or, they're talking yeah, about. Exactly. And I like that. And I wish that, you know, I could sometimes just be like, no, like I really think this type thing. And I think that Kelsey is sometimes to an annoying degree, very like stubborn. And like, no matter what people say, she's like, no, this is what I believe. These are my values. And this is what I'm going to do. And I do think that's, that's a cool thing. It is cool. I, I like that they, I like that she writes this character and doesn't have her change her because she is, you're right. She's getting told to change her mind all the time Mm -hmm. by men constantly. And she doesn't change her mind, which I think is a great thing to read mm-hmm. um and that's awesome but so she burns the cages back to the plot right we gotta, we gotta go back <laughs> gotta keep here. it rolling yeah <laughs> five hours later i know i know we finished book one no yeah. i really do think it'll pick book- up because this is a lot of this is a lot of the like foundational background stuff and then the next two books just get a little bit off the reels so yeah because book one is the best book so i feel like it makes sense to spend the most time on it yeah and then i agree yeah no for and sure. then the discussion of the next two books honestly might even be a little bit more of advice for readers on what you might want to read or not want to read <laughs> what to uh, expect right. yeah yeah true we're preparing you. um <laughs> so she enters the keep and pretty she's got to get crowned and th- i think there's some time between these events but basically mm-hmm. her uncle uh her mother's brother has been sitting as regent the whole time she's been gone it's very well known that he's the one who's been sending assassins after her he wants her dead he wants to take the throne yada 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 mm-hmm. classic uh, political medieval classic regent behavior <laughs> yeah disputes um what we know of him is and again this this is i think another issue that i have um just with description of bodies in the book i think that 
And but this isn't just this is not me just coming at Eric. Is it Eric? Wait, Erica Johnson. Erica Johansson. Johansson. Erica no, we're Johansson. we're here to um to speak our truth. Yeah, <laughs> to speak this our is, honest truth. This is not me just coming at her uh for this book specifically, because I think that this is something that is prevalent in the huge majority of fantasy mm-hmm. fiction, uh, even a lot of other types of books hugely in a particularly like animated um, movies, things like that, is that people that are evil, (laughs) basically, Mm -hmm. um, are usually described as having like more, I don't know, very particular body types, I guess is the way to say it, right? So yeah, like fatness a lot of the time is really associated with like villainy and deviousness. Exactly. Or extreme thinness. It's one of it's sort of one of the two. So when Kelsey burns the cages, we meet this character named Arlen Thorne. They describe him as spider-like. He's very tall, he's extremely thin. Mm -hmm. Um, and he I, I think he works in like the well, he sort of is in charge he, of the lottery. He, right. He's in charge. He does taxes or like money or something, yeah. but he's in charge of the lottery. So he's he's got his fingers so, all so in So we'll there. mention him because he comes into play later. He's pissed that she stopped the He's <laughs> the like, this lottery. is not good for my profits. He tried to fight her, but it didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. Well, not fight her physically. Tried to fight her with words. And he, yeah, he definitely would. <laughs> I was like, he definitely would have lost if it came to a physical fight. Right. Because he's so spider-like. Because he's so spidery. Yeah. Weak, apparently. Uh, but so he is described as very spider-like. And then her uncle is described as very overweight, again, with the sort of blotchy face description, which I think, I feel like so many times face color is attributed to like alcoholism or various forms of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also book. a lot of... Um... Uh, a lot of stigmatizing of addiction, I think, is kind of like a bad yeah. individual, like moral behavior <laughs> type thing, mm-hmm. because the uncle would like the drinking and then we'll get into it later. But one of the guards with like a drug addiction, it's very much like you made a you got yourself into this situation. Right. So that's sort of I guess we haven't discussed this this world like too much. It Basically, right now, it seems like we're in sort of, I guess I'll say a medieval E type. Again, think like Camelot. Mm-hmm. times type of um time period but there are a lot of modern dr- drugs i guess um right you know, there's there's alcohol there's i don't know heroin <laughs> yeah i guess it's like some sort of opium yeah, injection yeah there's a black thing. there's a black market there are a couple of modern technologies not a lot uh and so yeah that was sort that's sort of one thing though we meet her uncle and we learn that he's just this very bloated, I think is a word that's used to describe him a lot, uh, man. But mm-hmm. I guess I just wish that, again, I don't know. I don't know how you would describe characters without describing them physically. But I take a little bit of issue with evil characters as always needing to be, <laughs> yeah. not always needing to be, but so often um, being described as having body types, which are not inherently associated with any kind of personality or yeah or or even health level or you know yeah yeah Um, have you you watched the boys at all on amazon prime not not to mention amazon but (laughs) (laughs) sorry amazon sucks uh no um uh no i haven't because it's, it's about it's kind of like about superheroes but it's a twist where the superheroes are the bad guys basically and it's kind of i think it's like 
or it's it's a commentary on kind of American imperialism and militarism, and it's really mm. really good. But the main evil villain guy is this really handsome, like stereotypically handsome mm-hmm. superhero type looking figure. So I think that's an interesting kind of. Oh, I was just I thinking like about that. that. That's interesting. Yeah. Or that's I guess that's the third thing that happens sometimes. Sometimes villains, particularly men, I feel like are just you know devilishly handsome, godlike. Yeah, <laughs> godlike well, because. Yeah. The biggest villain in this whole series is like really good it's looking. Really good like looking, he makes yeah. the fetch look like dumpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but okay, long story short, the uncle does not want Kelsey to be queen. Yep. And when she's having her coronation ceremony, she gets stabbed in the back, like literally. Assassination stabbed- attempt <laughs> number two yeah. or three, whichever you want to look at it. And she is like so tough. She gets stabbed in the back. Or, like, in the shoulder blade, I guess. Yeah. And she then is like, I need to finish the coronation because this needs to happen now. So she's kind of, like, crawling. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Just this poor, like, this poor priest that they pulled out to, like, perform her coronation. She's yeah, like, he's like, finish it. Yeah, he's like, this is too much. This is not what I signed up for. Um, But we don't know. Kind of an important thing is that we, we know that someone in the room, like, threw the knife, but we don't know who at this point. So that's kind of, the mace right. is very upset because he's like, it's my job to protect you, and I let someone in who and specifically you or tried to. He thinks that it's a member of the guard. Yes, yeah. Who was a traitor, um, and who didn't watch her back or let mm-hmm. something through. So that now becomes part of the issue of her rule. We also suspect suspect traitors everywhere. Yeah, he's like only a member of the guard could have gotten through the guard. Yeah, that's kind of his thinking. Mm-hmm. So. She gets crowned, the uncle gets kicked out, and now sort of begins her political journey, so to speak. So she's ended the shipment. She knows that that means issues for the treaty that was signed. So she needs to start meeting with military men, with her, what do you call why can't I think of this word? Her accountant. Like, her accountant. Something. Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah. I was like financial man. Yeah. Um, and so she she starts sort of meeting with everyone, trying to establish herself, trying to get her ideas moving forward. Things like she wants to start a library. She would love to get a printing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no printing started. There's no printing press. And yeah. yeah. And also something that we've learned at this point is that you do think that this world at the beginning, you think it's some sort of parallel universe, but mm-hmm. it kind of becomes clear through little, I guess, ex- like excerpts or vignettes at the beginning of each chapter that we're actually reading something that's in the future of like North America. And yeah. basically things have gone to shit in the past. And and now they're in this world where things are a little bit have regressed in terms of technology and mm-hmm. kind of health and medicine. Yeah, we get hints to like there's books from the past that have survived. I think mostly mm-hmm. that's how they have books and what how do they call it? Like the seven volumes of Rowling. <laughs> yeah, the seven it's like that's sort of mentioned. Well. Like Lord of the yeah. Lord yeah, true. Lord of the Rings is mentioned. Yeah. Um so they mention a lot of existing books. Mm-hmm. And so she sort of begins her political journey. There's lots of classic her, you know, arguing with men who think that they know better than her. Although I will say in some of the instances she is arguing with, for instance, like a general who's been a military general for maybe like 30 years (laughs) and she doesn't know anything about military strategy. But this is, again, she is constant. It's not that she's not advised though. Yeah. Um, And she's constantly sort of teaching herself what she needs to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
I think a lot of the rest of the book is sort of the stuff we talked about. She really struggles with her physical appearance. She Mm -hmm. really struggles with her, this idea of who her mother was. Everything about her mother sort of becomes evil. She's so mad about this treaty that she signed. I think there's also resentment that her mother was so beautiful and that she feels so plain and her mother was so vain and didn't care about politics. And she kind of wants to be the opposite of her mother. She hates how her mom decorated her room, all of the clothes. Uh, So that's something that I think she's constantly throughout this book striving to get away from. As this book goes on, we get a little bit more information about the jewels, right? We start getting a little bit more magic. They start glowing. She sort of starts having, (laughs) I guess this is one of my issues with this series is that I guess I'm, I didn't realize until I read this this back through again that I'm kind of a stickler for like well-developed lore in terms of the magic mm-hmm. included in the series. Yeah. Uh, if that's what you need, you're not going to like this series because it's not at any point really right. that well explained. And, and the- I even feel like I don't know so much or I don't notice stuff like that so much, but with the series, I'm like, what? Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make much sense. So I do think it's not very well-developed in that sense. Yeah, it's yeah. very... Magic is a very like general thing. It can kind of do anything and we don't really learn much about it. So her magic comes from these jewels. She sort of, I guess it gives her tuition about people. She seems to sometimes be able to read people's thoughts or understand um, what they're feeling. They glow sometimes and give her little tiny visions Mm -hmm. of land beyond her kingdom at some point, uh, assassination attempt number three is made while she's in the bathtub, and she, a man, comes out of nowhere and tr- puts a, you know, knife to her throat and tries to take the jewels. So we're also learning that they're coveted for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, and that maybe other people, someone else out there, knows that they're sort of magical. I think some of her guards start to get that idea, and she somehow through the jewels kills this man that's trying to kill her. Um, so now we start to learn that they're like very powerful. Yeah. She can really wreak havoc with them. Mm -hmm. And, um, at one point she learns, this is kind of like towards the end of the book. Um, but basically she has a vision and she realizes that Arlen Thorne and kind of his cronies have reinstated Mm -hmm the slave trade so they've reinstated the shipment to mort maine and this is something that they've done you know it's not above board and secret yeah in secret uh and she has this vision about it and she's like this is happening and no one really believes her but she's like i don't care like this is this (laughs) is happening and so they all go to stop the cages and she's able to use her power essentially to create a giant like flood yeah, the cage. They go to they go to stop the shipment. They catch the cages. Arlen Thorne, evil Spider Man that he is, decides to set the cages on fire, basically, rather than yeah. rather than be attacked in the dark because this is happening at nighttime. Mm-hmm. He would rather burn one of the cages so that he and his men have a better view and can defend themselves. And she gets so again angry. I think a lot of it's driven by sort of anger and passion. She somehow, yeah brings a rain like a flood yeah it's very god it's giving god very god very God godlike vibes um (laughs) and they save the people and bring them back and then at the very end of the book we find out that mace says he's discovered who was the traitor 
and that it was this guard named Mern who throughout the book doesn't, doesn't play. Is it Mern or Mahern? I think, what, what did they say in the book, the audiobook? I think just Mern. Mern. Yeah. I don't know. There's sense. an H in there. Um, yeah. But he, and he's not a huge character throughout the book. He's just one of the guards. It's noted that he's tired a couple books. He always tired looks tired a couple times. Mm-hmm. He's very handsome, like the rest of the guards. Um, we find out that he's the traitor. And then Kelsey, that the penalty for that is death. So it was either she would kill him or one of the guards would. And she mm-hmm. wanted to to kill him we find out that the reason he was a traitor is because he had some really really horrific things happen to him in the previous invasion and he became addicted to heroin i think yeah to kind of deal with the trauma of what he mm-hmm. saw yeah and so she kills him i guess and then they go back to the keep and i think that's the first that's the first book that's pretty much it and i think we can get more into uh the second book has more going on with the red queen so we can kind of talk yeah. about her so um, but yeah the, that's the first the, book that's the first book i would highly recommend the first book i know that some of our comments sounded critical but we're just here to get into how women are represented so you know <laughs> yeah no. these, um... <laughs> the first book is definitely it's good and i think it's a page turner so it's kind of like yeah. if you want to read something quick and easy where you'll be pretty entertained um then i think it's worth reading there are there is mention of uh like rape and sexual assault and it can get pretty violent so i just want to say yeah, that it's kind of tr- like a warning trigger warning some of the like sexual descriptions are, are very disturbing very disturbing some of the violence descriptions of violence are disturbing a little bit i think we've talked about this some of it feels a little bit almost unnecessary <laughs> like gratuitous just gratuity for the sake of gratuity. Yeah, yeah. Um, not really like adding anything necessarily but just warning for that but i would say it's definitely a page turner love the first book plot's very compelling i really love i think all of the characters i mean we i stated my issues with sort of the descriptions but i think all of the characters are very compelling and we want mm-hmm. to learn more about this story and the history of the chilling and what's gonna happen yeah definitely okay people so we went on too long with the first book. We just had too much to say. And so originally we were going to do this first episode about the whole series, but now we're going to record a second part and talk about the second book and the third book in one episode. Yeah. yeah. We took a pause that no one will hear where we discussed this. No um, one will ever know. No one will ever know. Yeah. So I think there's just so much. There's so much there's going a lot, on. There's a lot of moving parts. And when you get to book two and book three, there's even more moving parts. And even though yeah. it does get pretty wild, I do want to actually, I want to like actually talk about some of the, the stuff that goes down because it is kind of interesting. It's worth talking about. And I do, yeah. I'm just realizing as we're wrapping up that we did forget to mention one very important character. Um, <laughs> Wait, who is it? We didn't talk about the Red Queen at all. Right. We? Well, yeah, but I, yeah, I kind of realized we weren't talking about her, but I do think she becomes, I think that we can kind of talk about what we know about her in book two because she's That's kind of true. like we a don't bigger know a thing there. So I guess for yeah. now, all anyone needs to know is that the Queen of Mortmain, the place where the people were going to become to, big, is the Red Queen. We just know that she's she's kind of evil and she's got magic, and that's it. Yeah, but we, we don't really know anything. Hungry. She's the one about it. Yeah, she's the one in charge of the shipment, the trade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're right. We can get into that in the next two. She's a much bigger character there, but uh, that's a. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's book one. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's book one. That's episode one. Thank you to our millions of listeners who have tuned in for this first episode. <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh man. Yeah. yeah. So I hope you all That's enjoyed it. and we'll be back with part two. And I think moving forward, we'll try to give the names of the books that we'll be talking about in future episodes. So that yeah. if anyone wanted to, they could read them ahead of time. Hopefully we'll be, I think these first two episodes will be a lot closer together, but I think generally speaking, it'll be sort of like, what did we say? A month apart, maybe? Yeah. Once a month. Yeah. So that's We're both busy gals. For... Yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, Hal. This was great. I love talking about this as much the second time as the I know. first time. <laughs> and I yeah. know. I did I did too. Thanks for the chat, Dora. It was nice. Yeah. And we'll be back soon with part two. So bye everyone. T- tune in. Bye. Yeah, tune in. <laughs> <laughs>